One of the best things about owning dairy goats is the opportunity to meet amazing people in the industry. For our 11th episode of Goat Gab, join Cameron and me as we visit with Dustin and Justine Noble of Noble Springs Dairy and learn more about their story and what is happening on their farm. Good uh, afternoon, Goat Gabbers, or day or morning, or whatever time of the day you're listening to. This is Cameron here on Goat Gab. And I'm Laura. And today we have a, a little different episode, I would say, here. We're recording this on Friday, and we're currently in the kitchen of the famous Noble family. We have Justine and Dustin Noble here today to talk all things Noble Springs Dairy, Dairy Goats, creating a cheese empire. And all sorts of good things. Well, I wish I was in the kitchen there in Tennessee, too. I'm stuck here in Missouri, but I'm glad to be virtually with you there in your kitchen. So, Justine and Dustin, thank you guys so much for agreeing to do this. We're really excited to have you on today. You're welcome. We're looking forward to chatting with you. I think we're just going to dive right into it here with some questions. Um, Let's talk about what's going on on the farm here today. Uh, Anything exciting happen? (laughs) (laughs) well we're in the middle of a little wave of fall fresheners um so yesterday or last night or this morning we had a couple does freshen um starting with a yearling who decided to have quadruplets for us which was definitely an eventful birth um we didn't get in the house till about one o'clock this morning so we're kind of running on e at this point in the day but uh, we've got a, got a few more left to kid, and we're hoping to uh, not have any issues like we did last night. So make, it, make this a smooth sailing for this, uh, this batch. That's, that's exciting. Cameron, is there anything exciting on your, on your end of farm things? No, I've been on vacation this week here, uh, which would allow me to be here in the Noble Springs, uh, Dustin and Justine's kitchen, uh, enjoying some pizza, enjoying some time with my fiance. Uh, my fiance got in on the action today here as well on the farm. Um, she was able to wrestle a baby, some baby goats out of a goat having some issues. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm looking to her and seeing if she would come and talk about it, but I don't think she wants to. <laughs> I'll talk about it. It was really nice to have somebody's help that was uh, capable of pulling three little babies out of their mother for me so I didn't have to do it. (laughs) My arm needed a rest after last night, so that was greatly appreciated. I can imagine. I can imagine that. Yeah, I think um, let's talk about the story of Noble Springs Dairy Goats, kind of how they got started. Um, and, and you two are very interesting as well because you met because of Dairy Goats, correct? So kind of talk about how it all started here. Um, so I got involved in Dairy Goats when I was an infant, actually. Um, when my brother and I were infants, we were allergic to cow's milk. And my parents' pediatrician suggested um, trying to find a source for goat's milk, and that was pretty much impossible in the early 80s in the Nashville, Tennessee area. So my parents ended up getting some goats. Um, Kind of a cool little Nashville twist to that is that uh, my parents kind of spread the word. They were looking for some goats. And um, they one day my dad came home from work, as the story goes. I don't remember this. And uh, there's a guy in the in the front yard with a truck that had a couple of goats in the back of the truck. And he said, I understand you're looking for some goats to milk. So I brought you some goats and you can keep them as long as you want and you can milk them and uh, provide milk for your family. And uh, so anyway, that uh, that was, uh, like I said, back in the early 80s. And, and as the story goes that guy worked for Johnny Cash and he took care of his farm and I guess some animals his family had on the farm and those goats were Johnny Cash's family's goats. So a little twist to the beginning of uh, my goat endeavor. So anyway, I didn't really remember that at all, but I'd seen pictures as a kid and I'd heard stories about how cool goats were from my parents. And so when I was about 10 years old, I asked my parents to get me some goats so I could experience that. And, um, 
much to their regret, they they did and uh, turned <laughs> turned into uh, a lifelong uh, passion and hobby and eventually a career. And that's how Justine and I met. So I I kind of created my own little ag 4-H project living in a sort of suburban area. And I showed dairy goats at state fairs, county fairs, club shows, and national shows. And in 2003, Justine and I met uh, at the national show showing goats. And she can kind of tell you how she got into the goats. So as a child, I grew up on a small farm outside of Kansas City in a town called Tonganoxie. And we raised a variety of different farm animals. We never had goats when I was little, but we usually had like pigs and chickens and geese and cows. But my mom was looking for us to have some type of 4-H project that was a little bit more manageable than a cow. And so we were deciding between sheep and goats. And one thing that's really neat about goats is they obviously have really great personalities, but they also can be so useful for so many different things. And my mom was really drawn to them because of the milk and being able to make products with their milk. So we decided on getting some goats. We ended up, our first goats were French alpines from a lady that lived down in um, Osawatomie, Kansas. Her name was Eleanor White. And she had some goats that went back to like Nottaway and things like that. We got our first goats and it just kind of took off from there. I showed it at county fairs and was in 4-H, but then really liked going to convention and going to the national shows and thought that was a really good experience and fun experience so we started traveling all over showing goats and that's how I met Dustin but I ended up going to school at MTSU and I have a degree in public relations and mass communications and Dustin went to UT and has a degree in animal science and ag business so our interests kind of just drug us along I guess (laughs) How many are in a, are in your batch this fall? Uh, so we synchronized two groups of, uh, we attempted to synchronize 10 in each group, um, but two or one in each group pulled her cedar. And so we actually got uh, nine bred in each of those groups. So we were kind of surprised that we got a hundred percent conception rate um, on both of those groups, uh, considering um, it was the middle of summer when they got bred. So we've never had that kind of success rate breeding goats out of season. So it's pretty exciting. Do you normally breed goats out of season? And what's the purpose for you guys doing that? Um, we've done it off and on over the years. Um, we have used lights before and we got probably like a 65 or 70% conception rate. Uh, this time we used uh, Cedars, uh, Lutalice, and PG-600, and like I said, 100% of the goats that didn't lose their Cedars uh, settled in, or came in heat and, and settled and had kids. As a mom, myself, I am just, when I think about, you know, milking all those animals and the soap making and the cheese making and keeping up e-commerce and doing your website and you have two beautiful young children. How do you balance all of this? I'm kind of amazed. Uh, (laughs) I think we have too many irons in the fire. (laughs) Um, But luckily after having run the dairy for over 11 years, we have a few really good people that help us on the farm um, that help some with milking, some with like, some of the maintenance of the animals and also some with uh, kind of preparing orders for stores, farmers markets, distributors to pick up and things like that. So um, we just have to really take advantage of the time that we went on the days that we have really good people here that are able to help to uh, go snap pictures for social media or make a batch of soap or run some errands or things like that. So it's uh it keeps us on our toes and um now throwing two children into the mix sometimes we turn into a circus i feel like but most of the time everything flows pretty smoothly um they are really good about going with the flow on things we're doing and um they'll go with us into the cheese plant and kind of sit to the side and keep themselves occupied and they like to be outside with the animals so i'm not gonna 
like just let them run around wherever they want but they do run around <laughs> and have fun and play with the baby goats and just entertain themselves so they're pretty good about finding things to do which is really good for us and i know not every child would be as responsible maybe as as an outsider to the farm and only coming here once maybe every year um it it blows my mind that they just run around the farm they run around the goats even today when Catherine was working and and getting this goat, um, you know, getting the kids out of the goat, they were just there kind of hanging out, helping move goats in and out of milking and whatnot. And um, it's truly amazing to see how much they've bonded with the animals, how much respect they have for the animals, given their age as well, um, and, and what great parents you guys have been and given them this tremendous opportunity to learn um, so many good things from goats. Yeah, I think it's a good environment for them to grow up in, um, having you know, to follow us around and see us doing tasks and things like that, I think really, really uh, kind of broadens their mind and makes them think about what we're doing. And it's kind of funny, especially as our little boy, Bryant, is two now, we've noticed that he's picked up on some of the things we do, whether it's if he sees a little piece of trash on the ground, he'll pick it up and put it in the trash, or if a gate's open, he'll shut it um and like feed buckets and things like that he get, he's good at organizing things if you see stuff around the farm so the other like day i feel like it's a really really good way for them to to learn stuff at an early age and hopefully learn some responsibility and, and things like that like dustin said he's two and the other day we had been aiing a goat and <laughs> we oh, came Lord. inside and they have this little rocking horse and I don't remember what he was using as his AI gun. Well, like, a little drum a little drumstick. <laughs> yeah, a drumstick to his little like xylophone or whatever. So he had this drumstick and he was standing crouched down behind his little uh, rocking horse uh AIing it. And so we just thought it was so funny. But um I don't know, it's little things like that you see them doing that they are just completely going to absorb everything you're doing and mock it and like replicate what you do. And I catch them doing stuff like that on occasion and it just makes me chuckle because they're constantly watching and learning. <laughs> I love that. That is just it if you choose to send send him to preschool. Oh my gosh, the things that those kids are going to learn. I know. I worry sometimes. Brimley's five, and so she understands like babies are born and not scared by any of that. And so I'm just like, at what point is it going to be like my kid tells all these other kids how things work and that, and like other parents are like, why does my kid know all this? I'm telling you this. It will happen, and it will be okay. <laughs> I would like to go back and revisit this e-commerce, because I kind of talked about it here. And, you know, a lot of um, creameries and whatnot, they do not necessarily a lot of e-commerce, but it's a lot of farm-to-table markets or, or uh, farmer's markets and whatnot there. What made you guys get into that e-commerce space for a cheese cheese distribu- or cheese uh, maker? Um, and what successes have you seen from that? And, and that's not a quite that's just a question I came up with. So if you need some time to think on it. Um, well, one thing that's really cool about like modern technology and apps and things like that, it allows you to quickly change your website and be in control of your website. Like I do all of our web design and online store and all those things. Go, so I can see what's working, what's not working and what kind of, led us down that path is we had people, especially this year, wanting to pick up orders at the beginning of this in the spring. So we had to set up a plan for how people could order through our website and pick up. And then we've also had a lot of people that order and we ship it to them. Um, more so we have a lot of people order soap to be shipped to them because mm-hmm. it's a shelf stable item and it's easy to send to places. So soaps and lotions. Yeah, soaps and lotions. But we, I don't know, we, we just saw that places need, like, I think to be successful, especially in this time, you need to have an online shop of some kind and have some way to connect with your customers. And it's pretty easy to do with all the different types of technology you can use. But I don't, I think it just was necessary. 
do you all make your own soap and lotions or do you have somebody that does that with your milk so product? Actually, I do make all of our soaps and lotions. So when I was a little girl and we got our first goats, it was shortly after that we met a lady that had a soap shop in the tiny town I grew up in and we would sell our milk to her. So I kind of learned how to make soap from her. And then when we first started doing this, soap wasn't really our intention. It was just more focused on cheese and edible goat milk products but people kept asking if we had soap available so I started making it again and um that's what we sell it through our website and then we sell it at farmers markets and here on the farm and we just make a certain set of soaps that are only made with like essential oils they don't contain any like artificial uh fragrances or anything like that they're just all natural kind of basic soap so we don't have to worry about allergens or people um being worried about what's in the soap cool that's awesome shifting gears here a little bit um and looking at your goat herd you guys did some showing um obviously you grew up showing justin grew up showing here you guys showed goats very successfully here um talk about kind of your your past and showing goats um and what what the, the transition is here and kind of looking at it in future years um yeah we both showed goats uh I started probably in the mid nineties, I guess. And we showed up until the last national show we went to was 2014. Uh, we've had a lot of success there. We've um, had some junior national champion Sonnens, I think a couple of reserve best udders. Um, we were runner up for me a breeder at one national show. So um, that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, at this point with the dairy and everything, we just, have so many things going on here at the farm. It's hard to get away from the farm and take the animals off the farm and kind of disrupt their routine and our routine. So for the last few years, we haven't shown, we may, may get back out into that into the future, but right now I, I don't know if I see that happening anytime soon. We just really enjoy breeding goats and, and enjoy trying to keep making nicer animals than, than the last generation. So that's kind of what keeps us involved in the, the the breeding and genetics aspect of things but yeah no no showing right now anyway so how long did you guys date after um after you uh, met at that national show and uh, then decided to make a permanent par- partnership um in 2000 we kind of kept in touch um but in 2006 justine moved down here and enrolled in school at uh, NTSU and she brought a couple goats. And um, so we kind of always wanted to start a dairy and we got an opportunity to, to start this um, in 2009, I guess is when we actually constructed and had the dairy permitted. Um, so we, we got married in 2010. I think we did things in backwards order. We, uh, <laughs> started a business and then got married. I guess we probably should have, should have gotten married and then started a business. But uh, so anyway, um, yeah, we've been married for 10 years and we've been uh, in the, the dairy and farmstead creamery business for uh, 11 years. So we primarily make uh, cheeses, but we also bottle milk. We make uh, kefir, and we make some other products with the with the cheeses uh, on the farm too, like uh, fudge. Um, and aside from the the dairy aspect, we also do a lot of tourism of the farm. That's kind of gotten to be um, a really popular thing that we do. And um, in 2020, when we had this pandemic going on, and a lot of our customers are not uh, doing as well as we'd like, we've kind of had to diversify and figure out ways to to make ends meet. So the ag tourism business has gotten to be a big part of what we do here. Um, so people are really, really, um, I guess, drawn to goats kind of like Justine and I were as kids. And so it's kind of neat to be able to share that with people and kind of share our surroundings and, and teach people about what we do and, and educate people about agriculture all at the same time. So along those lines of, you know, agritourism, what events have you done um, on your farm to promote goats? And then what, how have you kind of evolved over the years as well? Um, so we started doing tours uh, 
about the same time we opened the dairy, when we constructed the dairy building, we kind of put everything in place to, to allow people to see and like walk through the process of the animals being raised, the animals being milked and being able to see into the creamery where we make cheese. So we started doing tours pretty much in the, from the beginning. Um, it was a real small part of what we did and it's just gradually grown um, from year to year. And this year with the pandemic and people being stuck at home or stuck indoors, we uh, were able to really capitalize on people's desire to get out of their house and get outdoors and um, be out in open space. And so people get to come out, they get to interact with the goats, take a tour of the dairy, see where we milk, where we make cheese. And also they can buy a cheese plate and hang out on the farm and have a picnic and look at the goats and the kind of pretty farm scenery and enjoy some cheese made right here. One thing that's kind of evolved over the years with ag tourism and people coming to see the goats, visiting the goats is we've tried different things like, goat yoga was really popular and there's still people that do goat yoga but it was really popular probably like three or four years ago and we tried that and that's when it occurred to us that people didn't really want to come to do yoga they just wanted to spend time with the goats so the following spring we decided to start doing the like goat kid cuddling and having people just come enjoy the company of the baby goats and feed them a bottle and love on them and spend time with them and so over the last few years, that's kind of evolved. And then we turned it into baby goats and cheese boards and people picnicking and just kind of added on to what people can do to enjoy and have fun out here on the farm with the goats. I just love that. I think that, you know, if, if there's silver linings to this pandemic and, and all of that, I would think that that would be one of them. All the people that have been introduced to how amazing baby goats are and what a wonderful stress reliever, just hanging out on the farm with, with um, some good cheese and some cute little baby goats. I, I, I just love that picture. I really appreciate, and I'm, I'm friends with these, these two, obviously I wouldn't be in their house if I wasn't. Um, but I really appreciate uh, how these two have pivoted their business. They, they've seen, okay, we're seeing decreased cheese sales because um, your market mostly is, is higher quality restaurants, correct? You know, yeah. dine, dine in, sit down, enjoy it with your family. Um, and I've really, I really enjoyed seeing them pivot their business to looking at agritourism and more of an online e-commerce presence as well there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of businesses have had to sort of diversify and sort of change things to, to make ends meet or, or change their game plan to, to get by. So um, some of these things that we've done this year have been ideas we've had in the past, and we've just been too busy with the cheese business to really change and, and add new events or other things to take up time. So kind of this this whole slowdown of the economy or whatever has kind of given us a chance to kind of uh, sit back and, and actually see some of the ideas through that we've thought about doing in the past. So it's kind of created some opportunities. Very cool. Um, how many, how many goats do you guys milk usually on a daily basis or kind of a round number there? Uh, we generally milk like about a hundred to 120. And this year we're at this point in the year, we're milking probably like about 75, uh, we had to scale back our production some because we were running out of uh, nooks and crannies to store cheese in <laughs> because we we had such an ex excess of uh, cheese. So, um, yeah, we, we kind of downsized our production this year, hoping maybe in years to come we'll be able to get back to where we were. Um, but, uh, yeah, milking about 75. There's probably about 140 or 150 goats total on the farm between milking does, maybe retired goats, um, kids and dry stock and bucks. So um, keeps us busy for sure. And what are your breeds you guys have here? We raise Sonnens, Toggenbergs, Alpines, and we have a few Nubians. But I'd say at this point in the game that Alpines and Toggenbergs are kind of our primary breeds. So Dustin, you've judged two national shows now is that correct uh three 2013 okay. 17 and 19 yeah so how um 
how hard is it to balance what you're doing at the farm with getting away to judge? Because I, I always figured that would be a challenging. Yeah, thing. it is. And we always have to prep once we once I've found out that I've been lucky enough to be uh, selected to be a national show judge. We really have to kind of plan as soon as we find out in the, the late winter, or early spring, try to make sure we have a good staff in place so that Justine won't be overwhelmed by having to try to do way too much work. We try to get, uh, leading up to the time that I would be gone, try to get way ahead on cheese making, kind of make sure we have a good inventory of, especially like our most popular products, make sure that any like normal maintenance, like week to week maintenance is done before I go. So there's not anything that, that pops up and hope that everybody shows up to work while I'm gone. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> And do you get to judge very much other than national shows anymore? Do you do many local shows or, I try to take a, or state fairs? I try to take a couple shows a year when I when I have time. Uh, obviously, I didn't judge anything this year. And to this point, I'm not committed to do any next year. I, I'm still kind of waiting to see what the, the status of things are with this pandemic, maybe before I commit, but uh, I do like to get out and judge a couple shows a year. And it's always a fun way to connect with people who share the same passion, but also I see, it seems like I always connect with people who do something similar to what we do, maybe run a cheese, uh, a creamery or, or something kind of bounce ideas off them and learn from them as well as getting to see some, some cool goats. It's a, a good way to, to find genetics that I wouldn't find otherwise uh, if I was just, you know, even using the internet, Facebook, um, and things like that to, to locate genetics, sometimes it's great to, to actually see the goats in person, maybe find something you didn't know was out there. So I, I always like to take a couple shows a year if I'm able to. Uh, thinking all those lines there of genetics and, and whatnot, uh, you sold a, a, a lot of bucks to a lot of big name breeders here. Um, you know, you don't show you and I hate to be piling on to the the Noble Springs um, bad examples here, but um, he doesn't doesn't it, the herd doesn't show the herd isn't on milk currently on DHIR correct right you guys don't do linear appraisal correct right how do you stay relevant without all of the data being collected and without going to shows and and act, or seeing how you compare um, against other animals. Uh, well, I guess we don't really compare, uh, what we want our goats to be versus other people's animals. I guess we kind of have an ideal in our mind of what we want them to look like. And uh, that may be somewhat due to personal preference. Um, obviously that kind of, uh, is related to the AGA scorecard and things that we put a lot of weight on when we're judging or evaluating animals. But, uh, when we when we, when I get to go judge shows, it's kind of a way for me to see animals and see, sort of see how ours would stack up, um, compared to the animals that I see at shows. And, and, um, so it's, but, it's yeah. also important when he's at those shows to search out the best goats that maybe have what we need or are what we want. So that way we can bring a buck out of those goats into our herd and improve our goats and also make it something that people want because if it's a really nice goat other people are going to see that goat and know oh they're using a son of hers i'd really like to get a grandson of hers and this is a way for me to get it and maybe not have to have it shipped across the country to me it's more local if they live on the east coast or something like that so we always use dustin's travels judging to find the best buck possible to bring here to add to our genetics and make it more, I get make goats that are more desirable to people that are looking to bring in their next herd sire. So you probably know this, Justine, one of my very favorite goats that you've, that you've had was a sauna named Dahlia. She was just you know, in, in the gallery in my mind of beautiful goats that always stand out to me, she was one yeah. of them. Do you have a line that you just particularly love in each of your breeds or does it kind of change from generation to generation? Um, Dahlia, Dahlia was one of the standout salmons that we like 
in my mind that we've bred. She was one of my favorites too. So her and Daylily were the top two salmons that I think we had in our barn that were usually people's top pick. But um, that line has been really good for us. Uh, with the Alpines, we have kind of a J line and an S line. So it's not one or the other. Like the goat that kitted the other night with Claude, she's actually out of Sue, the a doe that I showed that was the first place two-year-old at the national show one year. And she is really pretty. So I think our S line is really strong. We've used a Sue son and gotten some really nice daughters out of him. So I just all... Um, I try to just, we always try to look at what our goat's flaws are and what is more important to improve on. So I can't really say that one line is better. All of our togs are pretty much related. So, so I mean, I can't say that one line because they're all basically one big line, one big happy family of related goats. So um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. We, we try to keep the best ones and only keep kids out of our best goats. We don't usually keep kids out of anything that we don't think don't think that has a chance to be good. Yeah, we probably have like 200, 250 kids born a year, and we generally are pretty pretty uh, careful about what we keep. A lot of times, they're either out of a proven proven reproducer or or an animal that has like a trait that we really want to try to intensify. But uh, that's a, a luxury that we have by being able to keep as many goats as we do for the dairy. So it's able, it helps us kind of move our breeding program forward pretty quickly when we're able to, to select from that many, many animals, I guess. What do you do with the kids that you don't keep? Um, so we've kind of developed a really good market for people who want to have pets or homesteaders who want to raise some goats and have their own source of milk. And, um, we, we also have for the buck kids, cause we have about half of those are going to be buck kids. We do have a pretty good meat market as well. Um, and so <clears throat> we, we probably keep around 35 or so doe kids a year, maybe two or three buck kids, depending on what we need to, to keep as replacements. So that leaves 150 or 170 goats or kids to, to be sold. And of course, we sell some as registered breeding stock to other breeders or other people operating dairies. Um, but yeah, it's, just, it's something that we, when we started the dairy, we we knew was going to kind of be an issue to try to to build a market for our our kids because with the dairy, you're going to end up having a lot of extra kids. Um, so yeah, every year we try to line up buyers in the spring to to buy our meat kids and and uh, try to get people lined up to to take kids that they've pre-ordered as quick as we can so we don't have to keep extra mouths to feed and and uh have a, a big workload in the spring but yeah lots of baby goats so i'm sure with covid then this year it was pretty difficult to get some goats moved at different times I've yeah heard. yeah we had yeah they, you know it hit right when when kidding season was in full swing we had buyers lined up to come pick up goats from other states or maybe goats that were going to be shipped and, and with uh, all the restrictions that hit us in the spring, we had some sales fall through. And so try to sell those goats locally. Um, sometimes not for not as much money as we might've been able to get as a registered like show animal. Um, and of course with a lot of shows kind of postponing or canceling or maybe not happening this year, there were a lot of people that just didn't really want to go buy a new goat because they weren't going to have anything to do with this year. So yeah, it made, made a challenge in, in that department as well. Not only the, the cheese business was affected, but selling breeding stock was too. Thinking about that there and in, in, you see notice, you know, a couple lines of your business were impacted by COVID. Talk to me about the different streams of income you've created on your farm, whether it be the cheese sales or, or, or whatever there. Um, and kind of how you work to develop them. Yeah, so with the with the pandemic uh, in in Nashville, we you know we had some shutdowns and stuff. Um, when we opened back up, a lot of the restaurants and things had certain uh, capacity restrictions. So uh, even still to this day, that industry hasn't really picked back up. We sell some of our products to um, even like Nashville Convention Center, Music City Center, I think it's called now. 
some of the big hotels in Nashville, the Opryland Convention Center has had us on their their some of their sustainable menus at times. So lost some really big uh, big outlets there. And so one thing we did try to move some cheese that was kind of sitting here idle was like Justine, I think had mentioned earlier, our baby goats and cheese boards event where people could come out and they could interact with the goats and then they could get a cheese board and sit on the, the, in a field here on the farm and, and enjoy the, the farm space and, and the animals and eat the cheese here where it was made. Um, so that, that was a way to move some of the product that, that, uh, didn't have a place to go. Um, not enough to, to, to consume all the product we made. So that's why we made some cuts in the summer. And even up until here in the last month or so, we've, we've kind of culled a few goats here and there to try to gauge our, our milk production to meet the demand for the products. Uh, one other I guess, question here is you obviously freshen a lot of goats. And that helps obviously determine what sires traits do because you're giving them a lot of them. Talk to me about your experiences with um, just seeing a large number of goats and then working to call those numbers down to appropriate numbers there. What type of philosophy do you may have when it comes to culling or, or, or whatnot? Um, so we generally try to keep about the number of kids that we anticipate needing to replace older animals um, the next year, or maybe if you, you know, have some losses or somebody maybe had mastitis and productive. Um, so we don't, it costs a lot to raise kids. So we don't like to keep an excess number of kids and have to put more milk and feed and time and labor into them. So we don't call a lot of yearlings and I'm really thankful for that because uh, as you mentioned earlier, Dahlia um, would have been a cull as a yearling. And <laughs> I think it has some pictures to back that up. Um, we, she, had no a, Sam. she had a nickname of Beanpole because she was long and tall and looked like a, a toothpick with uh, <laughs> toothpick legs. And her udder was small and the teats kind of pointed out. And so... Luckily, that was the first year when she freshened. It was the first year that we were in business, and I didn't call her because I just couldn't stand to look at her. Um, but when she was three, it was like a ugly duckling turning into a beautiful swan. She just all of a sudden, I think we milked her through maybe her second year, and she really put on a lot of body. She gained some weight, kind of filled in. Um, her udder, the structure of her udder changed. It developed a lot in that year where she milked through. The teats became more plum. So uh, in terms of uh, evaluating first fresheners, um, I I feel bad for people that have to cull goats, you know, on their first freshening because we have so many goats and, and really in all breeds that transform from the time from between like a year of age, even up to three years old. I mean, they, they just change so much. But, uh, yeah, it, it is neat to be able to, uh, you know, breed a, a large number of goats, keep a lot of kids out of uh, one buck and see, you know, what type of impact he's going to have on the herd. And uh, I think I was telling Cameron earlier today, we've, we've had the most success um, in all of our breeds when we get one buck that we're really excited about, where he, he looks like what we want, his pedigree is what we want. And we really believe in him and we just let him have free run and, and breed the majority of the herd. It seems like with all of our breeds, the years that we have the best kid crops are the years we have a big number uh, to sample from and see, see what that buck can do. Um, and it's almost without fail. I don't know that we've ever really had there. There's, I can think of one or two bucks over the years that have been a total bust, but, uh, but no names, please. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to name any names, but it seems like if you have a good buck with a good pedigree, doesn't have any major terrible flaws and you really let him work and, and get a lot of kids out of him, you can really, really see what he does. And it seems like there's always going to be a few nice ones in the bunch uh, we may get some junk. You may have a higher percentage of, of high quality uh, offspring from one buck or the other, but I uh, feel like it's really important to to use a buck a lot and see, see what he can do. So a question that I have with the number of animals you have and the number of kids, 
how do you keep track of who needs what done when so that you can keep them um, in good flesh so that you can keep them in good health so that things don't fall through the cracks? Uh, we should, we should probably be better about record keeping with that. Uh, Justine, I think was, I don't remember the title, but like what runner up in the state in her, is it 4-H for her record keeping project? <laughs> she She was also, the uh, 4-H club president as she reminded us earlier today of I what totally because he likes to mock my childhood about <laughs> my 4-H experiences <laughs> but I can keep a pretty good record of things I I've tried to use apps over the years and without fail when I try to use an app and put data in that app it's disappeared so I am a Phone traditionalist glitch on this so I use a calendar and I write it all down <laughs> because I don't want to lose any vital information so everything as long as we've been doing this there's a calendar for every year that has information about when Adele was bred what she had if we ate her how that went if she kitted if it was any problems like all that can be found in my calendar for every year in my filing cabinet but um we try to vaccinate our goats um three times a year basically uh we worm goats as needed because we are a dairy we can't just be like oh we're just gonna worm everybody today because that means we'd have to dump all the milk so we kind of have to pick and choose who looks like they need to be wormed and then we can't keep her milk for a while we have to throw that out but that's kind of how we do things we have uh one employee that has become pretty good at trimming feet and so we have a marking system. If there's goats that look like they need their feet trimmed, they get a mark and she goes and finds them and trims their feet. So we don't have um, problems usually with feet or anything like that because we're constantly seeing them because they're in the parlor twice a day. And we kind of keep up with that as long as we have an employee that can help us keep feet trimmed. But other than that, I mean, that's, we're lucky we keep hay out all the time. So our goats if there's some that are more bossy than others, they get a chance to get their fill and then the more docile one can go up and eat. Um, and we've kind of divided our barn where the younger goats, if they're a year to three years old are together and then the older goats are down in another group. So you're not having the older goats pick on the younger goats. I think that's important. And if we could, we would break them down into even smaller groups. It's just better for them to be able to get to eat and thrive that way. So we've kind of over the years just adjusted here and there what we need to. We've had to change the minerals a few times and we make sure we keep baking soda out and they have yeast in their grain. So those are kind of the important things that we do. Very good. So um, as Catherine goes and grabs us another beer. Thanks, honey. Um, uh, I love you. Um, you have you have togs and then you have these other high producing breeds here. Sonnens, Alpines, Nubians, I'll, I'll categorize them as a higher producing breed than the Toggenbergs for the most part. Um, how do you decide who stays and who is called, even though those breeds might not produce the same amount of milk? It's all based usually about um, whether the udder is healthy, how much the udder is producing, and how pretty the udder is. So... Yeah, we've we've had goats over the years that as first fresheners might milk four or five pounds a day, and then as second or third fresheners milk twelve pounds a day, and then as you know in the next freshening maybe sixteen or seventeen pounds a day. So um, I feel like sometimes with our younger does when they're really high producers, we end up having more issues with mastitis, and then maybe even just maintain, getting those goats to maintain their condition through a lactation, uh, especially with our management system. Unfortunately, we don't have a way to sort all of our goats by age. Um, we have two pens of milking goats and usually our yearlings and two year olds in one are in one and then three and up or in another pen. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's interesting, and I feel like it, it's constantly evolving. We may have come up with an idea every every so often to change something and maybe make things better. But but we also sometimes it's better for our business and having a flow of milk. We keep some not so pretty goats, and then that way they'll milk through. We're not worried about getting kids from them. They're just here to serve their purpose and do their job, and um, 
we've kind of done that over the years. And if you have a bad attitude, you usually hit the road <laughs> because when we depend on people to help us mm-hmm. do chores and milking, uh, we don't want them to be challenged by a goat that doesn't like doing her job. So a lot of times we will find them a alternate at home <laughs> to go work at. <laughs> but yeah, nobody wants a no, bad attitude. <laughs> Alternate home. I'm I'm gonna use that. My newest my newest Facebook post. She is seeking a alternate home. So, you know, eleven years is a long time to do something. So I guess um, that brings the question: Are you happy that you did it? Would you do it again? Uh, yeah, we enjoy it. I mean, I think with it, I mean we have friends that that work a nine to five job in an office or, you know, have what seems like a really cushy lifestyle, but it's kind of cool to get to do something that was a hobby and, you know, something we're passionate about and uh, do that for our living. And, then, and there's a lot of times where we work seven days a week. I mean, we probably work seven days a week every week, but we are able to kind of alter our schedule and, and make time to, to do things for our family and we try to make sure to do more of that now that we have children. But, uh, yeah, we, I'd do it again. Um, it's, uh, it's cool to, I've, I've always been interested in food, uh, as well as agriculture and especially, uh, livestock. So it's kind of a way to combine that my interest in food and, in agriculture, um, into one thing. And it's, it's really satisfying to either go to a farmer's market and talk to customers who really appreciate what we do or out here on the farm where we're giving tours. It's cool to, to show people around the farm and at the end of the tour, you know, they get to taste some cheese or, or get a cheese board and for them to really see how much work goes into it and really appreciate what we do. So uh, that's, that's really rewarding. So I, I, I've, certainly glad to to have that experience and and something i we i think jesse and i both really enjoy what would you do differently i guess if you were to start all over knowing what you know now or what advice would you give to other people that might be getting started in this business or might be interested in starting this business uh, I don't know. We get asked all the time from people like how to get into it or, or whatever. And it just depends on your circumstances. Um, and, um, and you know, how, how willing you are to basically sacrifice your social life to, to build a business and maintain a business. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, not, I don't know that there's a lot that I would do different. Certainly some, maybe some changes to the way, our facilities were built or whatever, but, um, I don't, there's not a lot of stuff that I think about every day and think, man, we really screwed this up. We should have changed the way we did that or do, do this different. Dustin, or I do it differently. Dustin spent a lot of time researching and planning and meeting with people to discuss ideas and seeing other. Yeah. When, um, I, I, I've had an interest in doing this probably literally since I, got my goats when I was a kid. So I, I, I obviously as a kid, child or a teenager, I wasn't seriously researching doing this, but, um, by the time I was in my twenties, I, I knew that it was something I'd like to do. So I did always kind of did some, some research and kind of got to go check out other facilities and things like that. And, uh, made a really cool connection when I was in college, uh, with somebody who had tons of relevant experience that helped me, I guess, a couple different people that really helped me figure out how to lay things out, how to design our facilities and, and, and stuff. So we, we were really fortunate to have those connections when we, when we got the opportunity to, to set the business up. So, um, yeah, not not a whole lot that we would change. We were really lucky to to have had the the time invested, kind of in trying to figure out how to to set all this up and and make the connections with people that that helped us kind of work out all the details before we got started. Who taught you guys cheese making? Uh, well, since we both had goats as kids, um, we kind of tinkered around with cheese making ourselves at at home on the stove. Um, 
we obviously in the the age of internet like there you can find any kind of recipe to do anything online so um people always ask like oh you made a new type of cheese this year how'd you figure that out and i pretty much tell them like googled it like it's <laughs> I mean, this is a world-class cheese maker here, and he Googled it. I mean, we we have, like, the, the tools and resources and, and ingredients here, and maybe some general knowledge of, of lots of different types of cheese, but um, I always, and I find recipes that are different when I Google cheese recipes, so... We it may take a couple test batches to see how which which recipe works better or what what we like the the finished product better from. But um, yeah, the internet it's great. Well, and there's also some really helpful groups on Facebook. That there's cheese makers, there's soap makers, there's all kinds of groups on Facebook that you can join in on and um, learn or share if you want and so those are kind of helpful or inspire you sometimes to be like oh i should try that it looks like a fun cheese to make or that's a cool way to do soap or whatever i don't really the soap groups i'm a part of i don't really do all the fancy stuff that they do but i like to look at it i know looking at some of the the fancy soap people and on, on the facebook and i'm like oh my god this looks so complicated <laughs> i just want a bar of soap that'll disinfect my hands and hopefully prevent the coronavirus <laughs> I don't know. Jennifer Lawrence has some of the neatest looking soaps that she puts on Facebook. And I, and I look at them and I think, wow, if I had the time, if I knew how to do that, I want to be her. You know, There's some so people cool. that do like the layers too, or like the little designs on the, like cutouts and stuff on the top. I, yeah. I make like a piece of cake or something. And I'm like, no, I don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good if we can make our own food and get it. I don't need to make soaps that looks like food. Like I'm okay, but I like to look at it. Do each of you guys have your own favorite cheese? Uh, yeah, our little girl, she obviously likes sweet things. So hers is Busy Bee or Fudge. Or I make strawberry shove sometimes that she likes. And then mine's probably mm. garlic and herb or pimento. And then, and then this year, because of the pandemic, we kind of made some new types of cheese. We made oh, yeah. a, a soft ripened cheese that uh, was really good. we made just for the baby goats and cheese boards event here on the farm and it's just a soft ripened cheese with uh like an um a chipotle layer in the middle that gives it a, a really sweet smoky flavor um and that's probably probably one of my favorites right now and that was one we just made strictly for the the baby goats and cheese boards event so yes uh, you know what Catherine? what's your favorite type of cheese from them I like the garlic and dill cheese curds that we got in this one. <laughs> yes, the cheese curds. When we make cheddar, the we make obviously you have to have cheese curds to make cheddar, so we sometimes have different flavors of cheese curds that we do. But we have to be making cheddar to have cheese curds, or just have time to make cheese curds. But so from the, so is are cheese curds more timely? time like is it more of a time investment or like how can we get more cheese curds in the marketplace <laughs> this is a good reminder to us that we need to do that we just need to set aside time to do it it takes the main thing yeah when we make a batch of cheddar it probably takes like 10 hours of being so, in the cheese room yeah so like from that. yeah start to finish and we're in there like the whole time and that's uh that takes a lot like to spend that much time like you're not going to have time that day to do anything with the goats or check on things outside around the farm um and so yeah we we don't we probably aren't going to do that this time of year because i don't even know if there's 10 hours of daylight in the day <laughs> in december uh, but yeah that's a, that's like a spring and summer time thing you know, I think that's really important for people to know, though, because I, I've had some people say, oh, I like goat cheese, but, you know, man, it's a lot more expensive than that brick of Velveeta that I can buy. Well, there's a reason yeah, why. Well, that, yeah, yeah, aside from a, that, I mean, you got to compare, like, the milk production between a goat and a cow, too, you know. We were discussing this the other day about how much milk a cow produces compared to a goat. I mean, in some cases, if you have a really good cow that's producing... I mean, what's a good cow produce? Like eight or 10 gallons a day. Probably. And you might have a goat that 
a goat might give you a gallon to two is good. So when people get upset because of the price of things, I it's hard for them to like understand that big of a difference. But that's why it is that way because cows are so much more productive than goats are. I also think there's a more of a craftsmanship that goes into goat cheese as well. Um, you know, a lot of it's being handmade, a lot of it's locally produced and, and whatnot. And it's uh, definitely, you can tell there's a little extra love in, in goat cheese as compared to going and buying craft shredded cheese and Walmart. That's our secret ingredient. Love. Little, lots and lots of love. A little dash of love in there. A sprinkle here, a sprinkle there. So, oh, I love that. So, if somebody wanted to send a box of love <laughs> cheese, of your cheese, to someone for Christmas, or they wanted to buy some of your products, how could they do that? Um, we have an online store. Shop now. www.noble-springs.com. Shop now. Yeah, so on, on the website, there is a, a shop now tab, and in the website is, like Justine said, www.noble-springs.com and um, you can buy our soaps, lotions, cheeses. Um, Occasionally we'll have merchandise. I'm not sure if our t-shirts and hats are up to date on there. Justine wrote a children's book or actually she wrote several children's books that are um, goat based that uh, I guess kind of spawned from telling our children's stories. In love. and uh yeah she's with the cheese too (laughs) (laughs) and so she's written a few books i think we have one on our website right now the other two haven't been printed yet but um those are kind of cool little christmas gifts and if people want they can get justine to autograph their copy (laughs) but the purpose of the books is to spread positivity and the two little main characters in the book are two goats and they are working around the farm to help their other family members uh solve problems and you know be positive so so in this house currently we have a dairy goat farmer you're both cheese makers a future vet cameron and an author <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like yes, a pretty neat only group we of had people a nurse if you ask me help us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you know you just say the word i'll be there <laughs> Well, anything else y'all want to share? I have one final question for them, and I would like them to answer separately. As you may know, I have some impending nuptials. It's my new word when I refer to marriage. (laughs) Impending nuptials. Given that I plan to work on the farm with my future wife, what advice do you have when working with your spouse on the farm? I'll let you go first. (laughs) Uh, I don't know there there are good days and bad days Uh, more good days than bad but usually the bad days revolve around taking pictures of goats you 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 pretty much can't take pictures of goats without getting into a fight Um, usually we throw rocks to get the goats attention but every now and then I think we throw rocks at each other um, so just just uh, go into picture day with uh, with an open mind. <laughs> Cameron, I think this yeah, is a common is. theme through several of our podcast episodes about how detrimental taking pictures of goats is. Yeah, it's a mental health detrimental. Yeah, but when you get done and you have good pictures of the goats. You go celebrate. Yeah, it's it's something to be excited about. <laughs> it's achievement. You made it a really great achievement, but you need to go celebrate. And after it's funny because I I almost think that like all the technology of like having a cool camera that can take take a thousand pictures almost makes it worse because you want to make sure you get the perfect picture. Like if you had a twenty five you know shot roll of film to take a picture of three goats on, you can only take a couple pictures. And it's like, oh, let me stop and check and see what I got. And then it's like, oh, you didn't get anything. You took like a hundred pictures. Why are we still doing this? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, uh-huh. yeah, no, that's 
Yeah. We're both perfectionists. Picture, picture. We have, we are both perfectionists. Picture so. taking days always uh, test a good relationship. <laughs> but I, I have a point. I don't really know what to say. <laughs> but uh, I could say a lot of different things. But say a couple. <laughs> I think one of the most important things is to know when to walk away like walk away and think about what the problem is and how it could be solved and then maybe come back to it and discuss it later if it's something that becomes a heated topic. I feel, but, like, I feel like I've got this that part down. I'm not, I'm not sure you do. She has to get the last word in, so it sounds like she's giving my, my advice. I thought that's what he was going to say. When you asked us the questions, I thought that's what he was going to say, but he said something about throwing rocks at each other. So, um, you know, uh, so I just said what you should have said instead of throwing rocks. <laughs> but I don't know. We, I'm probably really bad about, I don't give him any space. <laughs> He's my best friend, so... I can probably be a little bit too, uh, like, annoying, and I'll, be, I'll admit it, but I'm trying to be better about, like, not being annoying, but it's really hard, because right now we're stuck in the same house. <laughs> like, there's no going anywhere, really, because nothing's open. So, um, but I think it's good to give each other space, and his advice of walking away, which <laughs> I need to work on. <laughs> but sometimes I just feel like, <laughs> it, it might be better to just walk away and give somebody some time because I don't feel like they hear you all the way when you're trying to explain. Or maybe write it down. Okay. Instead of like yelling at it. <laughs> but other than that, I don't really have any great advice, I guess. Well, I mean, Justine and I work together 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we've been doing that for well over 11 years and we haven't killed each other yet so it must we must be doing something right i guess <laughs> and we have two cute really really cute little kids that's true but they actually make things harder sometimes because they're like monkeys <laughs> <laughs> monkeys that truly are yes. your circus yes yeah they yeah they probably create a lot of the stress in uh life now more so than the goats used to before the kids came along i guess but this makes it yeah. oh, but yeah. they're so they just, worth it's it it's like you just always got to make sure they're not doing something they shouldn't while you're while you're doing work but yeah but i think like that's the, a few years down the road for for cameron the whole staying home thing is probably getting to everybody so it's kind of an odd thing to talk about right now because everybody i feel like is kind of stuck <laughs> well i think regardless i I think you guys make it clear that you make it work well um you know successes in your career successes in your family successes in making amazing um cheese and uh finding a way to fit into this odd covid world that we're in right now i think i think that's a lot to be proud of you guys do it good well, where can we find you? Where can we buy your cheese again? Just just so people know. And makes great, great Christmas gifts, especially for young children. You know, this accomplished Bugs, author. In case you have dirty friends, you have some soap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, you have a social media post. So yes. we, have, um, we have a website. We mentioned that. But we also are on Instagram and Facebook at Noble Springs Dairy. And TikTok, right? Well, sometimes on TikTok. <laughs> TikTok is a world of overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, um, so Instagram and Facebook, we try to keep those updated daily with what's going on. I can update our website daily, too, and I kind of keep it up to date when we're going to be open and keep our online shop up to date so people can order through there. But if they live in the Nashville area... They can shop at some local stores or the farmer's markets we attend on Saturdays in Franklin and Nashville. But there's a list of all of those stores on our website if they live in the Nashville area. But online, it's pretty easy. And if anybody had any problems, they can always call us. We're our own answering service. Sometimes people are surprised by that. We had somebody call at like 6 a.m. on Thanksgiving. (laughs) And they were like, oh, I was expecting an answering service. (laughs) But we run into all kinds of little funny things like that doing this. So 
but it's all good. So if anybody had any questions there, welcome to reach out to us for, on Facebook or Instagram or email us or call us. And, and in all seriousness, they have some phenomenal cheeses. If you haven't had them before, I highly encourage you to go to the website. Um, I really like the, the Busy Bee. Yeah. I think that's my favorite, um, along with the cheese curds when they're there. Um, and I've heard phenomenal things about their wedge cheeses as well. I need to pick some up before we go home tomorrow. So, Well, Goat Gabbers, I think that brings us to the end of another episode. So... Justine and Dustin, again, thank you so much for being our guests and letting us sit in your kitchen with you for, for the past hour. It was a yep. lot of fun. Yeah, thank we, you. We've enjoyed it. We made sure to put the kids to bed so nobody had to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been fine. It would have been fine. <laughs> thank you. All right, Laura. Cameron, have, Thanks, have a good we'll week, Cameron. you later. Have fun movie night. Have fun movie. Oh, have a fun movie night, Laura. Yes, have a fun movie night. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I will. And you can catch us on Facebook. We're under Goat Gab. You can listen to us on Apple um, Podcasts or Spotify. Um, I think there's a couple others, too. Tell your friends and give us some feedback. Let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear about. Thanks for listening and bye-bye.